You're listening to another edition of the Carbline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paula Jamis. And Paul, we got like a first-time thing here, some exciting news that we're going to do for this week's episode. We sure do. I, I don't know what to do with all this stuff that we have sitting around us, but it looks like, are, are we really going to finally be able to... Do a giveaway? We got some swag. We sure do. If you came and saw us at the conventions, you got some of those really cool Argyle socks. We I, gave away a ton of them. There were hundreds had, and hundreds of pairs. I only had one guy go, I don't wear Argyle. <laughs> Did you take them back? Yeah. Okay. But uh, I guess that's better than the microphones I was lobbying for. <laughs> so anyway, on this episode... And I think if you follow us on social media, you totally saw what looked like a huge mass of people when we were recording a podcast. And and we were. We we were joined by almost everybody at the Bullard. We thought it was all of Bullard, but <laughs> but then we talked to them and they said, no, they still had a whole bunch of people over there. So what I didn't realize until we started this interview is Bullard invented the original hard hat. It was a really cool story. I think as their President Wells gets into the discussion on it, you're going to really see it's a neat history. And what? Bullard was nice enough to do is they sent us some some of their new brand new innovative hard hats we talk about it in this interview but anyway they came up with a brand new hard hat it's called the above view and what's really neat about this hard hat is the front visor here is clear so you can look up through the visor and still get all the protection that is required and it's got interchangeable colors so if you have a particular uh color that that you need to use to filter out your environment, you can change that. Or if your logo has a special color that you need to, to abide by, you can change those out. So what we have are three Bullard Above View hard hats with the Carboline Tech Service podcast logo on them. They're awfully cool. We are going to give those away to the first three people that email in to technicalservice at carboline.com. And here's the question. That you need to email in with the answer. So the first three people with the correct answer for what was the job that the original hard hat was used on and what was the year. All so you two part, two part, two part answer. question. All you have to do is listen to this episode and you will hear that. And then once we confirm the first three, we'll get your addresses and we'll send them out to you. But we're really excited. To bring you this episode with Bullard, we're really excited to have this giveaway. Uh, They're really great helmets. There will be a picture on social media when we announce this episode. But here you go. Here's our interview with Bullard. So, Paul, (laughs) we've made it. The end of day one. We are here. Yes. We are them. They are us. We are here. What is this? I don't even know what that means. Five, six Uh, I feel like I'm on a press junket. Yeah. (laughs) Too bad we're not professional athletes. Well, we're actors. Yeah. I, I got the smile. No, you they don't. Crepey. No, you don't. <laughs> Before we came to Codings Plus, I did issue a challenge, and that challenge is still valid. If you can take a picture of me where I don't look like a serial killer, we'll give you some socks. <laughs> just, to, just to set the stage on this, it was my wife came and took literally 1,100 pictures over a, like a day we were taking pictures. There's two that he doesn't look like a creepy serial killer. I, I don't do this well. The, the pictures, that is. So anyway, uh, we're about ready to have a party. We're yeah. about ready to have like the most guests at the same time ever on the Carboline Tech Service And I'm podcast. glad that we're in a big booth. Yeah, we have Because we would never fit in the studio. So joining us today from the Bullard Company. All right, everybody, there will be a quiz later. We have Wells Bullard, the chief executive officer 
We got Mitch Kaiser, the product manager. Eli Makarig, a former Carboline employee. <laughs> we got Deborah Parakiao. <laughs> Kathy <laughs> Lux Cannon. Welcome, the Bullard Company. Thank you for, Thank having, you for having us. us. Who's working your booth right now? <laughs> Surprisingly, there are more of us. <laughs> they are they are manning and womaning the booth right now. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so I think we're going to start with you, Wells. Let's let's start with who you are, what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So Bullard is a 121 year old manufacturer of safety equipment. So we actually uh, we started 121 years ago as a distributor to the gold and copper mines in California, Nevada. So we sold carbide metal lamps and acetylene. And then it was 100 years ago in 1919 when my great-grandfather invented the first industrial hard hat. And that's when we became a safety manufacturer. And we have some spectacular examples of those here. We'll, we'll have to get pictures out I think later. I could shave in that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some, some modern hard hats here. But yeah, so 100 years ago, we became a manufacturer, and then we got into the blasting uh, and coatings industry in 1932 with the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge. So 1919, my great-grandfather invented the hard hat. 1932 was the first construction site that required the use of hard hats. So we sold hard hats to other places before, but the uh-huh. first construction site to actually require them was the building of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Well, that bridge seems to be in history all the time. <laughs> it's, it, people love that yeah. bridge. We, we love that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and it was during uh, the construction of that, so the steel had come from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and there was no Panama Canal 1 or 2, so it had gone all the way around South America, and so it had rested. And so the lead engineer on that project, on the bridge project, was very into safety. And so that's why he was requiring the use of hard hats. And so he's got his guys in these safe hard hats with a safety net underneath. And they are using silica sand to abrasively blast this rust off of the steel and just breathing that in. Mm. And yeah, not good. So the lead engineer, Joseph B. Strauss, went to my great-grandfather and said, hey, can you do something about this? My great-grandfather was like, sure. And so he just you know, took a piece of canvas, put it on top of the hard hat, cut a little window for a piece of glass so that you know, the blasters could see through, yeah. <laughs> and uh, used the compressed air that they were using on the bridge. And that was our first supplied air respirator. Uh, was wow, right there. I had no idea. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty wild. I guess I was... You always think that there was much more theory behind doing right. it. You know, we find it all the time. The best, you know... Necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. And this was it. Perfect example. Yeah. So pretty uh, incredible. And uh, the bridge is still a customer of ours today. So we still protect workers uh, on the bridge today. And then obviously around the world, and we've expanded our product line from hard hats and respiratory protection to also fire helmets and thermal imaging cameras. And so we we manufacture all of that in Kentucky and uh, sell it to customers all around the world. Excellent. All right. So you had said that it was your great grandfather that did it. So it sounds like this is a long time family owned business. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we're fifth generation. So I'm the fifth generation of family ownership and, and leadership. So what a great. And so now you guys come through with inventing several other products. It sounds like you're involved in training, I'm assuming, for how to properly fit this equipment. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Bullard's vision is to advance human safety. And so we take that really seriously in terms of how we've innovated over the years. You know, five generations is a very long time. You know, we've been in business since 1898. And we believe that we've been in business and been able to be successful because we we attentively watch and we listen to our very end users who are using our products. And then we just try to solve the problems that they're facing. I mean, we make personal protective equipment for workers in very hazardous work environments. 
And so by watching them and seeing what kind of problems they're facing, we think that we can really creatively solve those. And that's kind of how we've evolved generation over generation over generation. And it sounds like you had to be pretty intimately involved because, uh, I mean, 1898, there probably weren't a lot of safety standards for no. anybody to follow. No, yeah. What we, what we kind of say is, I mean, you know, we've been, we've been in safety since before safety was required. So it's truly in our DNA to think about the worker and really... Our job is to allow the worker to go home safely at the end of the day. And so we take that very seriously. Yeah, we all appreciate that. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's really important and that's a really noble calling. And I think it's something that, uh, that speaks to every Bullard employee and then to our channel partners and then ultimately to our end users as well, that commitment to helping them go home safely to their loved ones at the end of the day. And so we've been part of, uh, you know, obviously so if we've been in safety, OSHA didn't come around until the early 1970s. And so we've been manufacturing safety equipment since 1919. And so we really were selling to really progressive safety-minded employers who were really, you know, looking at their workers as true assets and they wanted to protect them. And so we've also been part of developing standards along the way. Over the past, you know, 100 years of manufacturing, we've been very intimately involved, involved in uh, standard setting because, you know, trying to represent the end users and try to think about how do we make sure that we keep them safe with the products that the entire industry is, is making. And I have to say that, that you did bring over one of these hard hats that have I've, truly an innovative part of a hard hat is yeah. that there's a viewfinder in it now that... So you can look up and see. Exactly. So Paul's holding our newest innovation in hard hats, which is the above view. And what it is, is it's a hard hat with a clear brim. And so it allows you to see the, the hazards that are above you. If you're climbing a ladder, if you've got a, other above head hazards, very often what people will do is they'll either turn the hard hat around so that the brim is in the back. Yeah. And therefore, they're leaving their face exposed to potential you know, harm's way. And, uh, and then they're... They're also, sometimes they'll take off their hard hat or they'll tip their head up and then expose themselves to potential debris falling in the face and the eye and the nose. And so this brim allows uh, the wearer to actually look up while still having the protection of a brim. And it's removable so that if it, gets, if it were to get scratched or damaged or if you wanted to switch from an indoor use to an outdoor use and have some sun protection, you can. But it's, it's a pretty awesome innovation. And a lot of times people are just like, how did this take so long to, right. <laughs> to right. do? And again, it goes to where um, we worked really closely with an end user and co-developed it with them. So it really was an idea that came from the field and that we worked intimately with this, with this customer to develop this because this is a problem that they were facing. And it's a problem that a lot of people face with any sort of above head hazards. All right, here we go again. Time to pay the bills. Time to make sure the family gets fed. So, this thing's brought to you by Carbline, if you haven't figured it out by now, because it's called the Carbline Tech Service Podcast. So what we'd like to remind you is that we're going to be at the Offshore Technology Conference in Houston, Texas. That's May 6th through 9th. Now, when we say we, I know it's a little confusing because Paul and I were allowed to be let out of our cages there for a little bit. Yeah, they, they shut Big the door on us. smiles on our faces. That's right. But... Paul and I will not be there. So you have to contain your excitement. You'll have to go meet some other very nice, very fine Carboline folks. That's right. They're going to be in booth 8631. Stop by and say hi. They're not going to have socks for you, but you should still go say hi. Well, they might have socks. You don't know. You can ask for socks. Let's make it a thing. There you go. Anyway, we'd also like to take a moment to talk to you about Phenoline Tank Shield and Tank Shield FP. Phenoline Tank Shield and Tank Shield FP have low temperature cure properties, which make them great for use all over the country and all year long. With Tank Shield FP, you can coat a very heavily pitted steel tank 
and come out with a very smooth lining service. Tank Shield FP is a fantastic pit filling holding primer with an extended recoat window. One of the great advantages about the Phenoline Tank Shield is that it is batch mix, so you can apply it with a single leg airless and it is blush resistant. So anybody who's been around the paint industry for a really long time knows how much blush can be a problem. Well, we're here to tell you that with Phenoline Tank Shield, you will no longer have that problem. So. I think what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to keep this party going, and what we're going to do is talk a little bit more about one of the major safety concerns that we see out in the industrial coatings industry, and that's uh, silica sand, how to deal with it. And so we're going to move on to Eli and Mitch to talk about that. How's it going, guys? Hey, hey, th thanks, for, uh, thanks for having us here. But, uh, thanks yeah. for coming. In, in terms of the silica sand, it's definitely one of those things that uh, a lot of our end users out there are pretty much exposed to. I think there's a statistic out there where OSHA states that about 2.2 million workers are actually exposed to silica sand. And then making sure that our workers are protected from the standpoint of proper PPE, understanding, I guess, the, the exposures that they're dealing with. I guess to, to start off, silica, it's mineral quartz, right? Right. And it's things we can find in sandstone, stone, masonry type works. And whenever our, I guess our occupation puts us in a situation to make it sort of respirable, whether through impact or I guess different types of job functions, it becomes respirable where we can inhale it. And inhaling it, it could get deep in our lungs, could lead to silicosis, could lead to, you know, harder breathing for our end users. And at the same time, you know, at the same time, it could be leading to death. And it's actually really prevalent in the news right now. They're, they're seeing a lot of this with the, the coal miners in West Virginia are yeah. coming down with it from blasting through the hard rock in the, in the ground. That's true. That's true. And then, well, it actually started, it's always been in the industry in terms of needing to protect our workers. But actually, I believe it was March 25th or March 23rd, 2016 is when OSHA changed the standards yeah. to silica. I guess our role in the industrial respiratory section our role is to educate our customers, knowing the kind of exposures, knowing the changes in that standard, and then seeing what sort of options are out there from a protective sort of standpoint. So I, I could delve in more into essentially what that standard suggests. So sure. um, I said in March 23rd, the Silco standard was updated, where in terms of exposure for an end user, I believe the PEL, or the uh, permissible exposure limit, has been dropped down to 50 micrograms per cubic meter. Okay. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing is everyone wants to be OSHA compliant. So we have the new standard. Everyone wants to be OSHA compliant. So how are you OSHA compliant? The biggest thing is OSHA recognizes NIOSH-approved respiratory systems. And what NIOSH certifies as a system as a whole. So for our supplied air respirators that are used for abrasive blasting, that are used for coatings applications, it is a full system from what we call nose to hose. So all the way from the airline hose up to the breathing tube, the cool tubes, flow control devices, helmet respirator, all needs to be certified as one system. Um, and all needs to be purchased from the same manufacturer, otherwise it's not a compliant system. Uh, so there's a lot of rigorous testing that goes into making these compliant systems. Uh, we submit it up to NIOSH like every other manufacturer. At the end of the day, you know you're really protecting your, your worker when you're using these NIOSH certified systems. And uh, like I said, OSHA does recognize those. There's a lot of protection factors that go into that. So ours are a 1,000 APF protection factor. Um, 
it's the highest that you can rate your, your uh, supplied air system in the industry. Um, so really you want to try to, to get really good protection factor as well as making sure it is a true NIOSH certified system. So what I got out of that discussion is that I'm glad we know these people yeah. because <laughs> we get those questions in tech service and we frequently tell them, well, um, there's a regulation and you need to follow that and uh, you should talk to your safety advisors and let them know and tell them what you got to work with. Um, here's what's in the paint. So is there a third party certifying the testing that is related to this equipment? Yeah, so that's a great question. So what Bullard really likes to do is we do like to get our products third party certified. Uh, so for that 1000 APF testing, you could either self certify or you can have a third party do that. Bullard chooses to have a third party. So we have that documentation showing that yes, we truly are the highest protection factor that you can have in the industry. It's not just taking our word for it, but we also have the backing of it as well. So I'm assuming then if you have somebody who's looking for this equipment, do you have a service that helps them to make sure it's fit and installed properly, like a training program that they can go through to make sure that they're using it right? We sell through distribution, and a lot of our distributors do that, but we also have regional BDUs where we do trainings and on-hands, as well as our regional sales managers will reach out. We actually have something new and exciting coming out this year, and it's called our Mobile Experience Center. So it's a 48-foot trailer, and we will be displaying our blast hoods, our paint hoods, our welding and grinding hoods, and literally getting out there to the industry, letting them know about our products, getting to use our products, and training them hands-on. So I, I think I hear a video podcast coming up yeah video podcast that most definitely would be exciting i think we'd all appreciate that to the listeners of the show they're going to hear it again and i hope that you guys have caught on to this clue that everybody in the industry is really interested in training you and teaching you on how to use their equipment properly and that way it's the best for everybody you'll you get your best job done your workers will be the safest that everybody here is to help grow the industry. And that is something that I think I said it earlier is truly unique about the industrial coatings uh, industry. And you know, that this is a perfect example too of, you know, we say it a lot. It's, it's a small business. It's a small industry that we all have happen to know each other. We work around you. You never know who you're going to run into again. Eli used to work for Carboline. He's the one that brought Bullard to us, you know, for this week to be able to talk about it. And what a small world it is that we're actually able to, to keep keep each other in it to, to be synergistic and helping to improve everybody's knowledge and experience and safety. So I got one tough question for you guys. Are, are Deborah and Kathy going to talk? Or at least say hi? <laughs> I think Kathy can say hi. Hi. There we go. <laughs> hi. When we had Chlorid on the show, another gentleman was there, and we mainly talked to Norman, but at the very end of the show, I made the other guy feel really bad for not participating. Oh, yeah, I see, I see. <laughs> so anyway, everybody at the Buller Company, thank you very much for coming out in numbers and supporting us. And we'll definitely be supporting you and touching, touching base with you guys in the future. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, thank thank you, you. for having us. Thank you very much. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've had a great time. And definitely don't forget to email us in. You definitely want one of these hard hats. And so... For the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. Who put the line in Carboline? Who put the line in Carboline? No matter where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carboline, but they say Carboline.